Weren't they trying to like start like a space force or something they like did. that? I know they just recently released like uniform photos and they look like they're in like desert khakis and they're going to space. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta blend in, partner. I'm being sent to Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. Great Uranus that. joke. I'm sure Donald Trump's already made that joke, I feel like. Um, <laughs> Can you make it through a space episode if you don't make a Uranus joke? I would hope not. Well, they also sold us that bullshit in college. Like, actually, it's pronounced Uranus. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I feel like I would have heard about that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three space enthusiasts with nothing better to do than talk about our favorite space theories. I'm Austin Terry, and I'm joined, as always, by my best pals in the whole galaxy, Matt Johnson and Keith Baker. Matt, how's it going? It's going really good. I'm excited to talk about Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones today. My favorite space theory. Could it have been good? The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to save that for next week. Keith, what about you? How are you doing? I'm doing excellente. I'm getting ready to go travel tomorrow, so got to get some sleep, get on the road. Traveling, that's a risky endeavor in today's world. Yeah, I know I'm going to Colorado tomorrow, but I'm going to keep it COVID safe. Nice. We're a COVID safe podcast. We're big fans of being COVID safe. Yes, agreed. All right. Well, today we are taking a break from movies to talk about a couple of space theories that we find interesting. This will be a little bit more of a casual episode with all the potential to go wildly off the rails. Some theories we'll discuss today are the Dark Forest Theory, the Black Knight Satellite Theory, Simulation Theory, Black Holes, and the ongoing scientific debate about the Andromeda Galaxy. Matt, do you have any theories of your own you want to share before we get going? Um, I theorize this podcast is going to be good. That's my theory. Just putting it out there. So we'll see what happens. Wow. I'll take that theory. I'll take it. Alrighty, Keith, you want to start us off with some black holes? Let's start us off with the black holes. Let me start by asking, do you guys know exactly what a black hole is? I guess I think I know what it is, but I guess I could, I could be wrong. I think I know what it is too. It's when a star explodes, right? Well, it's like when a, it's when a star collapses in, collapses in on itself. So it creates what they call a supernova. So and then that eventually forms in to what they call a black hole. So a black hole is a place in space where gravity pulls so much that even light cannot get out. So pretty much warps light, warps matter. Pretty much warps time, warps every, anything we know that exists. It warps it, sucks it in, and goes into an infinite density. Nothing can escape its event horizon, right? Exactly. The event horizon is a point of no return. So once you get to that point, gravity speeds up like crazy, and that's it. You're, you're sucked in. No human can survive that, which I know that's one of the questions we wanted to get into. But Matthew McConaughey did in Interstellar. <laughs> well, he went through a wormhole, which we'll get into in a few minutes. The wormhole made him go into a bookcase. 
That's what I, that's what I, that's what I took away from Interstellar. <laughs> yes. That takes us into a uh, string theory, which we're not discussing today, but I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't care. So let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, Keith, a lot of, a lot of, uh, black hole media contains time travel, but it sounds like in order to time travel, you actually have to go through a warm, a wormhole, right? Yeah. So wormhole is different from black hole. Wormhole is like a tunnel. So it has to have an entrance and the exit, obviously, for it to be a wormhole. Black hole it just is an entrance. There is no, as far as we know, there is no exit. But that's the thing I don't get, though, because, like, is there a wormhole somewhere? <laughs> like, why is that a thing? Because, like, we know black holes exist. We have pictures of them. But, like, wormholes are still a, a theory. They have never actually found a wormhole yet. So black holes, they know exist because they can see them. Black holes, so they know, they've they've proven by now that almost every large galaxy has a black hole at its center. Like, I could be wrong, actually, but I think the one that they took that really creepy picture of last year, the one that's just like a really fuzzy, like a ring of fire, and then just black in the middle, I think that's in Andromeda, which is the one closest. Isn't that what, that's, that black hole is one of the things that's like pulling the galaxies together, right? I guess we'll get into that, but I don't know if it's that one specifically, but we'll get into that in a bit, yeah. So pretty much everything that goes into a black hole is crushed into a tiny point. Could be the size of a car, could be the size of a million suns, could be the size of an atom. And then that goes into what they call an infinite density, or what they call a singularity. And so space, time, light, and gravity are all warped into the unknown. That's what I was going to ask. Are there any theories of like what happens when... Like, let's say we tried to travel through one. Did, are there any theories out there about what may happen if, if we tried to go through one? So, for people, we wouldn't be able to make it through one. We would die pretty much instantly of impact once we hit the event horizon. Like, the just the sheer forces of gravity you, it would kill you instantly. You mean Christopher Nolan lied to me? That's a wormhole, Austin. My friend Keith told me that's a wormhole. If you wanna, if you wanna end up behind a bookcase, you have to go into a wormhole. Yeah, so wormhole's a little bit different <laughs> than black hole. Wormhole doesn't crush anything; it just transports you from one, either one universe to another universe or a different part of the universe. Could even transport you to a different time, possibly. Is it theorized if anything happens to you if you go through a wormhole? Like, well, I guess the be- I guess the better question we need to ask is, what is the theory for? If something goes into a black hole, because it sounds like humans, you're fucked. But what happens if just light or anything passes through? So I was watching this video and pretty much I think it was on Vsauce. So if let's say Matt and I were watching from a distance, watching Austin go to a black hole, Austin's like, I'm going to go to a black hole. You guys watch from a distance. What it would look like to Matt and I would be as if Austin was like on a paused like screen. Like we would see his body going and then all of a sudden it's like he would stretch like mr fantastic to matt and i's eyes he would stretch because light is being bent through a black hole but to austin his body's being ripped to a million pieces he wouldn't even feel anything like you're gone what I what I just heard there is if I go through a black hole I get stuck in another shitty fantastic four remake <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, I mean so, for the people watching something go into a black hole, it's a lot different than what's actually going through it. Is that, if that makes sense. Yeah. I guess. I mean, it's just one of those things which is cool about space is like, even though there's like infinite galaxies out there, the closest one to us 
is what? Andromeda, how far away is that? Like Millions of light years away? Yeah. Well, we could never get there. So it's like, I don't know what the closest black hole is. I thought it was that one. I could be wrong. But it's like, there's no way to test. Like, at least now, we can't test what happens when you send anything in because there's not one close enough to us. I guess that's the idea. So it's just always been this really ominous thing. Even if we tried to test it by the time we got there, like, it'd be so far in the future, you know? The closest one is the one in our galaxy. Oh, there's one. Well, what's the one that's here? That's what our galaxy revolves around, yeah. Which is crazy. That's the size of these things and the amount of power they have is they can, they move the entire galaxy around it. And then everything has its, and then every galaxy has its many solar systems, like what we're in, all our nine planets revolve around the sun. But in order to form a black hole, things have to be huge. Stars have to be really big. Our sun is not big enough to form a black hole. I was reading something earlier. We wouldn't, you know, people were asking, well, can our sun eventually collapse in on itself and create a black hole? And scientists were saying, no, it's not big enough. It has to be, I, I wish I could have the numbers for you guys, but I don't. But it's got to be probably a million times bigger than, than our sun for it to create a black hole. A bunch of mass has to go into it. Um, so I know, like, there's a lot of theories about how we could achieve, like, intergalactic space travel. Is is a wormhole considered a viable option? Like, kind of switching gears here, is a wormhole considered a viable option to use to travel the galaxy? I would say, yeah, if we could find one, you'd have to find one first. And then you'd also have to find, you'd have to know where it exits, though, right? Exactly. You might want to send something artificial before you send human life in there <laughs> to see where it goes. And if, But even if you send something artificial in, how do you know that artificial thing is going to have a radio signal to get back to you? I guess that's true. And how long would that signal take to get back to you? Like it'd have to, it would have to be able to send the signal back through the wormhole, I guess. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, you're, you're taking a big chance. The thing with a black hole, though, is like if something goes into it, not even just a human, just if anything goes into it, does it go somewhere else or does it just cease to exist? I think it just gets crushed. I think it gets crushed and maybe maybe it is transported somewhere else. I don't know because if we go by the law, you know, energy is neither created or destroyed, then maybe it is going somewhere else. Maybe it's not being destroyed, it's just being contorted. Well, yeah, it can't be can't be created or destroyed, it can only change shape. So it's just being uh crushed into smaller and smaller pieces basically. Yeah, it's pretty scary. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, basically the long and the long and short of it is the theory with black holes is that it could <laughs> teleport you in time or just crush you <laughs> so you're able to time travel well you see it in interstellar too go back to that movie again uh, if you're traveling fast enough you age slower than people on earth would be aging so if you had a yeah, twin yeah. and you left and going a certain speed isn't there like theoretically you could travel away from earth and then come back and be the same age when you left but everyone else would have aged isn't yeah, like theory? fifty years. Yeah, depending how fast you're going. Yeah, yeah. So you, right. so we you know, know we speaking can of also- speaking of time travel, you know what I learned recently that I had never really thought of. Let's say that there was like a time travel machine here on Earth that we could use. If you were to go back in time, even if like even if you could go back in time, you would also have to be able to jump back to where the Earth was in its rotation around the Sun at that point in time that you're going to. Like you couldn't just stay yeah. in stay in place in time travel. That's why they've changed it to be traveling through time and space. That's true. And that's a good point, though. That's just one of those things that they simplify in media, so we don't even think about it. I feel like 
All right, Keith, I think that wraps up the black hole talk, but I think you have another space theory for us. I have another space theory, universe theory, whatever you want to call it. Let's get into it. It's called simulation theory. Have you guys heard of simulation theory before we did this podcast? Only through the Matrix. Through the Matrix. Okay. So I make it just a quick definition. So reality is an ultra high tech computer simulation in which our senses of taste, smell, touch, hearing, and sight are all artificial, along with our identity and overall consciousness. Kind of, kind of weird to think about. <laughs> so, uh, just a little background on simulation theory. Uh, I think the first person to really kind of come up with it was this guy named by Rene Descartes, French philosopher. You might might have heard of him. Uh, one of his quotes was, "Is it possible I'm dreaming right now, and that all of my perceptions are false?" <laughs> It's also that great Jim Jeffries bit in his stand-up where he's like, it's possible this is all a joke and I'm just in an insane asylum staring at a wall right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I mean, that's basically what it is. And uh, But yeah, I mean, have you guys heard of the guy named Nick Bostrom? Yeah, I'm a big Nick Bostrom fan. Yeah, I'm sure you are. (laughs) 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 He came up up with the... uh, (laughs) Nikki B, baby, Nikki B. So Nick Bostrom, guys, I've been following him for years. No, I just reading about him today, but I'm a boss. He was bitch. on, he was on Rogan though last year, um, and they really got into simulation theory. But he's kind of the one who's kind of brought it back up to light the past ten years or whatever with his simulation hypothesis and all that. So anyway, that's just a brief history. Let's get into it though. What's your guys' take? Did this theory come before or after the Matrix came out? I guess the Matrix probably just repopularized it, I would assume. Um, so, like, what's the deal with this thing? It's like, when we die, like in this... Yeah, what happens if you die? Life or whatever you want to call it? Do we wake up or... It's really up to your take. I actually, I put down a, a, about four of my own theories here I can go through with you what? guys. Is this, a, is this officially a Keith Baker theory? This is a Keith Baker theory. But this is also other theories. Other people have these theories too. But anyway. All right. Number one. There is no simulation. The universe is what it is. Most likely. Maybe it is being controlled by... Most likely. It's being controlled by a higher power. Maybe a god. Whatever you want to believe it is. When we die, there may be an afterlife. Or maybe not. Maybe we're just dead. Maybe we're just going to the ground and our consciousness ceases to exist. That's number one. What do you guys think about that one? That's the one I lean towards, but instead of God, I think it's just Mark Hamill controlling all the time loops. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that one certainly on paper, I guess, sounds realistic just in terms of what we've been taught kind of just in our upbringings. Obviously, that's what people tell us. So I'm interested to hear some more theories, though. All right. Second one. So if this if we are in a simu- like computer simulation, mm-hmm. when we die, our code is deleted, and the simulation goes on for everybody else. So I die, it still goes on for you guys, mm-hmm. and our code is either deleted or maybe transferred to another simulation and another dimension or universe or whatever the people who are running the simulation have for us. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, so when we're deleted, your consciousness ceases to exist, and you're no longer thinking or not here. I mean, I hope that one's not true because I don't want to be just a computer code. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the hope is that you could somehow awaken, right? 
if your code got transferred when you died, do you just get a second chance? Like you just get a new life? Yes. Well, this kind of brings me to my third theory. Maybe when we die, we are reincarnated into another living organism. Maybe it could be another human, could be a dog, cat, hmm. could be like a plant. <laughs> but then who's controlling that one? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I guess what I want to know, though, is like, are we just in a simulation or meaning are we just code in a computer or is there a different world where somebody is behind that computer controlling things? Yeah, what is what is the theory? Does the theory lean towards this is all a computer si- simulation or is there like a grand architect who's like populating trees and doing all that? There's multiple theories that make up the simulation theory. So there is a theory that yeah, one not 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 having anything to do with computer. There's somebody just controlling us and everything like that and we could be coded, I guess you could say. And then I guess the overall theory like matrix is it's you know an ultra high-tech computer simulation. So just like we just, so just like we created uh computers uh in video games and all that. This is how this world's created. Same way. They did this experiment with electrons. It's called electrons that cannot make up their mind. So the theory that comes down to this experiment was so some have taken this to mean that our simulation is conserving its resources and rendering certain things only when it knows we're looking at them. So things are acting in a certain way only when it block. only when it knows humans are looking oh, at them. No, but do but I don't are like doing that. entirely different things when we're not. Well, it's just like in like a video game. Whenever. You're looking at what you're looking at. Do you ever wonder if the game is still rendered behind you? Because why would it? Oh, yeah. You could save no, I wonder that all the time when I'm don't. playing a game. So it's like it's like a scarier version of that where there could just be nothing behind you in a game. But according to this theory, maybe it's not nothing. It's just shit is crazy. <laughs> That's scary, dude. I don't like that. Or maybe if this is all a, situ- a simulation in, in real life, anytime you're not looking at something, the simulation behind you just disappears. Just like in a game. Right. Could be that too. Yeah. But you guys can see what's happening behind me without me looking at what's happening behind That's me. That's true. But from your perspective, might have seen... But, yeah, from our perspective. But for you, that uh, anything could be going on behind you. But I want to know is what what's some of the most popular media that black holes and simulation theory have appeared in? Let's run them down. Interstellar, obviously. I mean, Matrix, obviously. I mean, we, we literally, we said both of them. It's Interstellar and The Matrix, right? Star Trek has wormholes and black holes. Uh, Star Wars actually doesn't have any black holes or wormholes in it. No. They're just flying through space. I mean, The Matrix, like we said, even more so than Interstellar for black holes, The Matrix, I think, literally took a theory that existed but made it popular i think the reason people even talk about simulation theory is because of the matrix inception kind of hits on simulation a little bit yeah that's true yeah it's kind of the same thing it's just not a simulation it's just dreams yeah that's that's kind of true yeah hmm good movies i mean if people out there are listening to this and you want to know more see the stuff in practice i certainly those are good examples we'll sure. put links to everything we've been talking about in the episode description too if you're interested in learning more Keith's theory has made my head hurt. Luckily, though, 
my theory is a little, a little bit more straightforward. Straightforward. It does lend to a little bit of contemplation, but I want to tell you guys about the dark forest theory. The dark forest. <laughs> okay, so this is called the dark forest theory of the cosmos, and basically it states that the reason we haven't found life yet, everyone out there is listening, but nobody is broadcasting. So that part tends to say the same, but then there's three different variations of the second half depending on who you read. One reason is that nobody is broadcasting because they all they are all aware of an imminent danger and are trying to hide. The second reason is that nobody is broadcasting because as soon as they were as soon as they did they were wiped out by a more powerful species. And the third the third theory is that uh, nobody is broadcasting because they've been wiped out. And we will soon be attacked as well because somebody found our probes or heard our radio signals and they're on their way right now to wipe us out. Yeah. I mean, all three are pretty terrifying. No, this is definitely one of the scariest space theories I've heard of. There's a couple different assumptions that this theory makes. One is that a species will always prioritize their survival over another species' survival. Which makes sense. Two, a species that is advanced, that is advanced enough for space travel will have some level of alertness and hostility. And species with the ability of planetary travel are probably more powerful than species who can't space travel yet. Another assumption is that there is no way to know another species' intentions without also making yourself known. And the final assumption is that because species cannot safely know other species' intentions, the safest course of action for everyone is to immediately attack another known species before they in turn attack you. Why gamble on a peaceful mm-hmm. interaction when it could result in the total annihilation of your species, basically? So, this theory comes from a novel. Um, the novel is written, is written by uh, Lee Sixon. Um, it's a sequel in his book series, though. Um, and the theory is an attempt to answer the Fermi paradox. And the Fermi paradox is a scientific co- contradiction. Um, basically, it states this. Um, statistically, according to the Drake theory, we should have found signs of life by now based on how large and infinite our galaxy is, but we have not found any signs of life yet. That's the paradox. Um, according to the Drake equation, there could be anywhere from 10,000 to 100 million planets with life in our galaxy. Um, and because of the results of this equation, the fact that we haven't found life yet is frankly shocking. Well, see, that's where I disagree. I mean, people say that, but it's like, is it really? We've gone to the moon. That's it. <laughs> I mean, it's... so that that's that's the paradox, though. I know. I get that. I mean, like we sent out we sent out tons of probes and stuff. You would think that you know, Pioneer, Voyager, any of these probes would have theoretically picked up something. So th- this is basically just an attempt to answer that paradox. Why haven't we found anything yet? When statistically speaking, we should. One possible reason is because there are signs of life out there, but they're not revealing themselves. Basically. I agree that that's the thing. What, I, what I'm saying is that I don't think we're advanced enough yet. I don't think we've covered nearly enough ground to really know. But I still agree with the idea that if races are finding each other, I don't see, I mean, I just don't see like the whole idea of, cool, we found you. Let's set up, you know, a common ground, a place to live. <laughs> like we can be together now i feel like it's like you don't know these people's intentions it's not just like it's like just a whole different not even a race i don't even know what you call it it's just an alien being you're finding it's like i mean you can't assume to know how much knowledge they have how much power they have i feel like attack 
is the route people would most often take. So I think in turn, they'd rather avoid that so that their whole race is annihilated. Thus the idea of staying quiet. Um, my only thing, like I said, that I do think about is I just feel like it seems like our solar system seems pretty in the clear, at least from what we know in terms of other life. But obviously, I mean, the Milky Way is such a huge thing. I feel like we could have life not too far off. I, I think once, who knows how long it will take, but once we start to really utilize space travel beyond just trying to get to the moon over and over again, who knows what we'll find? I don't know. And that's where it gets kind of interesting what we do. So I know this said that this is from a novel and that novel is a science fiction novel. However, this theory is signed off on by David Brin and Stephen Hawking. Um, and Stephen Hawking actually led a bunch of scientists to sign a petition to prevent humans from actively sending out signals into space because a lot of these scientists agree, like are scared that somebody could find us who's more powerful and come wipe us out. But there also are a lot of flaws with this theory. One of them being, even if you can broadcast and then hide, you still can't hide a planet. So if there is a more advanced species out there, like they're going to find your planet regardless. So it's probably, instead of trying to hide, it's probably in your best interest to try to expand and gather more resources to defend yourself. Um, right. And then the other theory is that the theory assumes advanced civilizations exist, especially civil civilizations with the ability to space travel. However, any civilization that's advanced enough for space travel should also understand the values of diplomacy, trade, and diversity. And we can see that within our own humanity because humanity hasn't been able to evolve without all three of those things either. So basically, the dark for if the dark forest theory has would work, like hiding to survive, basically, we would have seen it play out on Earth as we continue to evolve and we haven't seen it play out that way. And I do want to read you guys an expert from the book because I think it's kind of terrifying. Um, but this is where the theory comes from. The universe is a dark forest. Every civilization is an armed hunter stalking through the trees like a ghost, gently pushing aside branches that block the path and trying to tread without sound. Even breathing is done with care. The hunter has to be careful, because everywhere in the forest are stealthy hunters like him. If he finds another life, be it another hunter, angel, or a demon, a delicate infant tottering to a tottering old man, a fairy or a demigod, there's only one thing he can do open fire and eliminate them yeah I mean, is that what we're talking about it's scary it really is but you'd have to like kind of assume that every life form out there thinks the same way we do though like as far as aggression and survival what if the life forms out there aren't even worried about survival what if they're what if that's not even in their DNA is to worry about survival Maybe that's why this theory assumes every species is going to prioritize their own survival over another I don't know. I just feel like the universe is so it's so big. Like our our solar system is a speck in the galaxy. Not even a speck. It's less than a speck. Yeah, it really is. And our galaxy is a speck in the our galaxy is not even a speck in the universe. Mm -hmm. Our universe might even be in a, in a totally bigger universe. We don't even know. Mm -hmm. And so maybe maybe that's why we haven't heard from anybody. It's just it's just it's so vast and so big. Yeah, and that's the most likely scenario. Is it's just too big? Yeah, it's just too big. There's no way anybody would come in contact with each other. And maybe and maybe these planets that are actually near us, which they're not even you know as far as humans, they're still really far away, millions of miles away. So this kind of this kind of touches on what you're saying, Keith. Um, recently, scientists did report an unknown radio signal from space that has been repeating every 16 days. Basically, there's four days of transmission and then 12 days of silence. Um, it's a fast radio burst, with bas which basically means it's a millisecond long radio wave that we're receiving from space. 
Um, some scientists and physicists have proposed as aliens. However, that's highly unlikely. Um, and the reason for that is in order for us to have received this signal, a hundred different alien species would have had to become advanced enough to produce a powerful enough signal to reach us because this signal, it's coming from billions of light years away. And for example, Earth has only recently developed the technology to send radio waves into space 125 years ago. So the furthest our signals can get is 125 light years. So that would mean in order for this signal to be reaching us from another civilization, hundreds of them would have to be evolved enough with enough time spent evolving their technology to reach us, basically. Um, most likely it's a neutron star. But it does kind of touch on like what you're saying, Keith, how it's just so big, we don't know if there is life out there or not. That is weird, though, that it's that calculated of when it's transmitting and when it's not. Um, and yet to the point of... I mean, we. I mean, obviously, we're biased since we're on Earth. <laughs> That's all we really know. But, I mean, we haven't been that civilized for that long. I mean, how long is this stuff... Have Like, have we known about this stuff or been working towards space travel even? So it's like, it's not that unlikely that another advanced race billions of light years away, like you said, maybe they've been, you know, around for a thousand years. And even that is significantly longer than we've been working on it. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, it could but even the then, they'd only be able to send their stuff a thousand light years into space. But how do we know that? How do we know they can only send it that far? Because aren't we just basing that idea on what we can do? Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, that's, 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 what, that's all I'm asking. Because that's kind of the unknown. Is saying we have no idea how long other people out there have been around, how long they've been trying to achieve space travel. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 scary because everybody when we were kids, it's like. Yeah, that'd be so cool if we found aliens. And then when you get older, it's like, yeah, it'd be cool, but the intention just seems like it might just be the best idea to try and wipe them out. I mean, you have no idea the amount of knowledge, power, it's just a complete unknown, an entire alien race. I mean, we think of like seven or eight billion, like that's the cap because that's how many people are on Earth. But I mean, is that even a big number in comparison to other advanced species. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of scary to think about. <laughs> so how close are the nearest aliens? Um, mm -hmm. I don't have the answer to that, but I do have an answer to where another earth sized planet that could support life is. Um, this year, NASA's test satellite recently found an earth side, an earth sized planet that's in a star's habitable zone. And a habitable zone is the range from a star where a planet's conditions would allow the presence of liquid water. Um, this planet is called TOI 700D. Great names here. Um, and it's roughly 100 light years away. So um, that's the most recent one. There's a bunch of other planets um, that could support life. Uh, researchers at the University of British Columbia have recently said there could be as many as 6 billion Earth-like stars in our galaxy alone. Um, and the reason for that is Earth-like planet needs need to orbit a G-type star. These scientists have recently determined that there's 400 billion uh, stars in the Milky Way galaxy and 7% of them are type G. Um, and it was previously believed that only 0.02% were type G. But with advances in technology, we've been able to find more of those types of stars. Yeah. Um, and uh, recently began to consider ocean worlds habitable. And we have two ocean worlds um, in our solar system right now. Uh, Europa, which orders Jupiter, and Enceladus, which orbits Saturn. 
Um, both of them have ocean worlds below um, ice atmospheres. So they have like a sheath of ice in their atmosphere. And then below that, there's water. And the reason why they're thinking they may support life now is because these ocean planets um, send like water plumes into their atmosphere. And that requires energy. And then also obviously has liquid water, which are two factors needed to support life. There's got to be something deep in those waters there. Maybe not. I could be. Maybe it's just all water. But if you think about Earth, look at all the life that's in Earth's water. Just all these fish and yeah. different microorganisms and everything, algae, everything floating around, all the different bacteria floating around on yeah. Earth. It's kind of hard to believe that Earth would be the only only one to yeah, host agreed. any of this, agreed. this Even stuff. Even if it takes billions of years, because I mean, we've been this universe has been around for so long, obviously. And Austin just said that seven percent of these stars are the G type or whatever, and if there's even a planet remotely in the habitable zone of any of these stars, then if that planet, you know, has been gestating for as long as Earth has, then there's absolutely, in my opinion, zero reason to believe that they could not have developed life over that same amount of time that we have. Yeah. So, And that 7% um, leads to the max being there could be 6 billion planets just like Earth out there. Or not just like Earth, but Earth-like conditions. Yeah, so they could. Six billion opportunities, I guess you could say. Um, so, yeah. I mean, the idea of there not being life out there. And then even some of them maybe having similar DNA, or even if you can call it that, but just similar makeups and structures to humans might not even be that much out of the realm of possibility. So, it's pretty crazy. Alrighty, guys. Hope you were enjoying that sweet transition music. Matt, why don't you take us home with your theories today? Yeah, so mine's going to be, I think, quicker um, and a bit more, like, general, I feel like. So, the first one I was looking into, and I don't know about you guys, but I had a lot of trouble even finding theories. I don't know why. Like, I couldn't find anything remotely interesting for some reason, even though I know there's interesting stuff. Um... So I was just trying to find stuff that I had no idea about. So I found this one that I had never heard of. And I'm not one to ever believe like those UFO footages that you see. But this one was just so creepy that even if it's fake, I don't really care. I just wanted to bring it up. And it's the <laughs> Black Knight Satellite Conspiracy Theory. And so what this is, and so everybody, like Austin said, he'll have um, links and stuff in the description. But you got to look up this picture as I'm telling you about this. And basically what it is, is not, we just talked about how close aliens could be. And this one is that there's basically a spacecraft in near orbit to Earth that is of extraterrestrial origin. And the idea was that the during the STS-88 mission, this was just a photo that NASA captured. And it's really... That was in like the 70s too, right? Um, I thought it was later. I think it was like late 90s. Yeah, it's the STS-88. So yeah, it was the late 90s. Or at least that's when this... I think that's when this picture was taken. It was the late 90s. I don't know if like this like launched earlier than that. Yeah, it's really scary. And I don't really have too much to say about this specifically. Because literally it's just like a picture. And that's all we can really talk about. But the things that were interesting was that... A, it doesn't look like debris. Like, it, it looks like a very specific, odd, strange shape. And there's also, if you look at it, like um, the top of it, there's like a kind of like a, a light plume, if you want to call it that. It looks like it's being 
um, like it's like a rocket, like it looks like a booster pushing it down. So it looks like it's moving, which is creepy. So NASA came out and and said that it was just a piece of the space station that got away from them, right? So isn't that why it looks so deliberate? It's because it's a de- deliberate part of the space station. And well, they just couldn't retrieve it. That's what I thought, but then they said it's considered to be debris of a thermal blanket that was confirmed as lost. And to me, that was like, okay. <laughs> it just seems so <laughs> odd. And then, but like, the point is, is this really an extraterrestrial aircraft? Probably not. But the more interesting conversation I feel like is when stuff like this comes up, NASA, I feel like, always has a very specific, quick answer to stuff like this, including all these u.s i don't know navy and just military um bits of footage that you see or just uh just random people filming videos anywhere around the world and you'll just see what they're saying ufos so that's more of the conversation is just like what do you guys think i mean is any of this stuff real is it possible that there's cover-ups involved is it just one of those things where maybe some stuff is being covered up and some stuff is real like, what do you guys take away when you see pictures like this and other kind of supposed UFO sightings? I mean, I just, I tend to believe the organization that's full of experts, NASA, over people who have access to a keyboard and a search engine. I just, <laughs> I like, I just, I, I, I don't, people always think NASA's out to lie to them. And I personally just don't believe that that's the case. I think NASA wants to protect like maybe stuff they're working on, but I don't think NASA is like purposely covering up existence of alien life or anything like that. I think whenever stuff like this pops up, just whatever the explanation NASA gives me is the one I'm going to believe because they're the organization that does all the research, has all the experts and spends all the money working on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think the only way NASA would really cover something up is if they believe and I could be wrong. But I believe probably most of them are pretty decent people. So I, I believe the only way they would really cover something up is if if it would uh, whatever they found would send all of humanity into sheer panic. Uh, like if something was coming for us, or or if they knew some intelligence about the universe or space or our solar system that we knew was going to be it killing everybody on this planet, maybe they would cover that up so the entire planet wouldn't go into mm-hmm. panic. I feel like they would have to release that, though, so we can start preparing to fight. (laughs) That's what I would say, yeah. So, yeah. So, I guess just to cap this one off, because it's such a small occurrence, do you guys, has there ever been any of these, like, bits of footage that you saw that made you a little bit like, hmm, you know what I mean? I mean, the guy that really turned me around is Tom DeLong. The (laughs) fact that he gave up his... (laughs) blink 182 career to get out there and give us the truth about aliens i really respect that well he was the one responsible for like either earlier this year or late last year those like bits of footage that were by the i know that was actually they had to they had to decommission them they had to put it out to the public and it was basically just like i think both of them were like um air force uh like training runs or whatever you want to call it and then you would just like look to the right the person looked to the right and just see something going next to them and i don't know what you call it like thermal vision or whatever so it would be the sky would be yeah it was like thermal imaging yeah and it would just be this black like specific like oddly shaped object just kind of flying with them and it's weird because it makes you go why has this 
why was this released? Because it looks like nothing. But then it makes you go like, why was this hidden in, in the first place? It's it's so silly. I don't know. Whenever whenever stuff like that comes out, I just tend to assume it's either like military technology. Like I never, my first thought is never, oh, the aliens found us. Like it's always like it's got to be some somebody's government somewhere developed a new stealth plane and they're testing right. it out. And we happen to capture us, and it's in our military's best interest to keep it secret so they can research it. That's usually like where my head goes. Well, that's the whole thing with Area 51, because everybody's so obsessed with that being kind of the secret place that all this, uh, all the alien technology that is either, you know, with Roswell, like fallen to Earth, or that anything we know that's being tested, that's where that is. But it does seem like kind of the generally the accepted thing is that that's just actually where kind of the military tests all their new stuff so it is interesting that when you say that it sounds like oh that's actually just like a pretty makes you go oh duh but then it makes you go like or am i supposed to think duh (laughs) you know what i mean yeah it's like yeah that's a pretty that's a pretty good explanation i wonder if it's too easy (laughs) so it's just one of those funny things that's the thing though like anytime it's like nasa or the air force is covering up this this footage of of things flying in the sky like of course that's going to invite conspiracy theories and people calling out oh the aliens are here but like at the end of the day it's usually something boring like it's never yeah. something like extremely exciting you know like everyone yeah. wants it to be this crazy thing but at the end of the day the answer is always going to be something boring and that's just usually a general rule for life too mm-hmm. <laughs> so agreed uh i was just gonna say with uh ufos i think most ufos which they've proven is you know, farmers seeing stuff and all that. Like it's usually just airplanes flying above, making a certain or their their lights are making like a certain pattern through the clouds to make it look like a UFO or or asteroids or uh, comets or something like that going through the uh, the sky and all that looks a certain way. But really, the one I wanted to ask you guys about was uh, your thoughts on ancient structures like the. Um, Mayan, I, maybe it's some, I could be wrong here. I know the pyramids for sure, pyramids in uh, Egypt for sure. And I think the Mayans also have some structures that are built with such precision on each brick, like down to the like millimeter of dimensions. So it's like, did did they really have that technology, or is that uh, alien technology that was somehow used and then somehow gone away after that? What are your thoughts on that? You also have to think about when the Mayans existed. They had nothing better to do, just like our podcast. Yeah. They had nothing better to do than measure these fucking bricks out to the end, to the direct millimeter because there's nothing else going on in the world at that time. There's no Twitter. There's no Facebook. That's like the most exciting part of this yeah. guy's day was getting his measuring stick out and getting that corner exactly pointy yeah. enough to fit the structure. <laughs> That's what they talk about the pyramids, <laughs> yeah. though. It's just like, I mean, you can read about all the work that went into that, I guess. We don't know 100% if it's true, but I mean, we know in theory what went into building the pyramids, how many years that took, like the actual effort of pushing each of these individual stones and like over these, like this pulley system and like moving it along like logs or you want to call it and rolling it and how long that took. So it's like, I get the precision aspect, like why people might go back then they could really make this perfect is that really realistic but the funny thing though is then you look on the opposite side of it and you look at how unprecise something can be like people are convinced that stonehenge which is like the least precise thing in the world (laughs) just like this like (laughs) shitty rock formation is like that's aliens too because it's so so look at it must be no um 
Stonehenge is cool. I mean, I, I've gotten to see it in person, which is really cool. But it does make you go like, who built this and what was the purpose? And I feel like whenever you don't know what the purpose is, people just jump to it's aliens. <laughs> It's like, who do you really want to believe? Do you want to believe the organization that has all the people who have spent their entire lives studying this stuff and spends million do- millions of dollars on the research? Or do you want to believe some guy who looked up in the sky and said, oh, aliens? Like, well, how did he, how did they, how did they really say it? How did they really say it? Oh, look there. Look at that alien. <laughs> <laughs> it's a UFO, y'all. <laughs> all right. Well, we've talked about the beginning of the universe. It's time to talk about the end, because I feel like in school they would always tell us, well, guys, uh, the sun could blow up at any time, so actually the world could end any time. And I was like, oh. But then in college, they're like, actually, no, it's going to be billions and billions and billions of years. And it's like, oh, okay, that seems to contradict that. Um, And literally, in preparation for this podcast, I found something that was like, actually, we're done in like four billion years. And I was like, what does that mean? And... It turns out, I had no idea, but our sister galaxy, the Andromeda galaxy, we're basically being, whether it's through black holes or just gravity, who I don't know, but just through gravity, we're being pulled together. And the idea is that our universe, basically, not universe, but our galaxy, the Milky Way, as we know it, including our solar system, of course, in like four and a half billion years will be wiped out. Because the Andromeda galaxy is literally going to collide with us, and it's just going to eat us. It's just going to cannibalize us. And I was like, well, that's crazy. And then I started reading into it more, and it turns out, I was like, why are people talking about this? It turns out the Andromeda galaxy has been chilling and doing this for all time. (laughs) They're eating tons of galaxies. I was like, what? I mean... I just, I didn't realize that we had like an end date. But how long, how long does that take though? How long once does it, it once take? We collide? Like, if they collide, is it instant? Or is it like years and years of the galaxies well, colliding? Well, that's a good question. I would have to imagine it's years and years because of that whole thing of like, like, let's say the Andromeda galaxy collides with us, right? And it kills us. But it's one of those things like when they talk about if the sun went out, we would still have like 18 minutes before we died because that's how long it would take for the damage to for us to realize it and for it to affect us. I guess it would be the same thing, right? But I don't really know. And then based on what we're seeing today, we'd also have people saying, the sun didn't go out. I don't believe it. Hey, is that a UFO? (laughs) I guess it depends how fast the Andromeda galaxy is moving and how fast its planets are orbiting their other little solar systems in that that galaxy. Like, you know how the Earth Earth is moving at, I think, 65,000 miles per hour around the sun, and it's spinning around the... 1500 miles per hour so how fast are those planets and other rocks and asteroids and gases how fast are they all moving i guess it would depend on that isn't there also some debate in the scientific community that we've already collided yeah, with the Andromeda so that was galaxy? the other thing people are saying this has already happened and the idea that it happened so long ago that our galaxy was basically reduced and then just over time built back up and then the andromeda galaxy drifted off started consuming more and more galaxies and stars and planets and all that stuff and has been kind of just hanging out far, so far away from us the idea is just gravity is going to eventually pull it back and i wonder if once it does does that leave room for like what replaces what's currently in the milky way is it just the same thing basically over time happens again 
like there's another Earth-like planet form, and then the same thing is just another cycle? Or, like, is that how our galaxy is, like, the human race as we know it ends, but then there's still more to happen after? It's kind of interesting. There's always going to be more to happen after the human race ends. Right, because the Big Bang started everything, and it's just the idea of, is there going to be an event that just everything at once ends? I don't know, but what seems more likely is just that we're going to be completely wiped out by something we can't control, whether our sun just decides to explode, or apparently the Andromeda galaxy in like four and a half billion years is going to collide with us and wipe out all of our planets and most of our stars, and then it either... Or more likely, uh, climate change gets us and the Earth just slowly dies on its own. Sure, yeah. Like, barring stuff like that, that will... Because, I mean, this is billions and billions of years. So, we're basically... We're going to have to leave Earth, or... I mean, we can't stay here. We know that. That's why people are trying to find ways to get off, and, like, realistic ways we can do that. And that's the thing about all this stuff, too, is it's going to be our own undoing if the planet dies. Like, if we can't come together and figure out a way to reverse climate change, like, it's just going to be our fault if we lose Earth. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole idea is that all this stuff is scary in concept and we know that they are going to happen. We know that the Andromeda galaxy is being pulled toward us. We know our sun will, it's not something that will last forever. It will eventually explode, become a black hole or something will happen to it. And that will obviously affect earth. But more realistically, we don't even have time for that to happen. It's like earth is going to die. Like we've already ensured that because we have so many people on this planet that are using resources and climate change and all that. So that doesn't mean the human race is done. It just means we need to put more into at least trying to figure out what's in our solar system so we can figure out if we can leave. We need to find out what's the nearest planet, moon, or whatever we can make it to where we can make life work or at least start something there. Or else, yeah, I feel like we can talk about all these theories, but we're going to end way before any of this cooler sounding or scary stuff happens. Have you guys heard about those scientists and volunteers that go lock themselves in like pods basically for a year in hawaii to simulate what it'd be like if we had to go live on mars for a year no no i haven't heard of that they've had a couple different crews go through now and actually there's a really interesting podcast from from giblet media if anyone wants to listen to it it's from gimlet media it's called the habitat um where they had someone take a recorder into this habitat for a year um but basically these people go it's in hawaii and they go live in a habitat for a year no outside contact or anything like that. They have to put on spacesuits if they go outside, um, and they try to simulate what it would be like if we had to go live on Mars and live in a habitat. And scientists are trying to collect data on like how people interact with each other. They're trying to find like the best groups of people to pair together in a pod. Like it's it's really interesting, and it's funny too because in the podcast, like they have a lot of like just like basic everyday relationship drama. Like people get fed up with this one person, so they stop like eating meals with them but they're all in a habitat so like they're awkwardly like sitting on one side of the habitat and one guy's left alone like or there's like one person that they all decide like oh this this person's really annoying so i'm like we're all just not going to talk to them like it's it's just basic everyday like human squabbles that get in the way of like being able to coexist on a different planet right that's pretty interesting yeah well i guess it's necessary though if we're gonna can if we're gonna plan on going somewhere one day it's necessary to practice those sort of things because before they went to the moon they did hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of practice simulations and all that so yeah i think it's necessary that just sucks though thinking about it jeez a year (laughs) (laughs) i mean it could be your entire life if we have to go to mars well i guess we don't have to worry about any of this stuff let's be real 
This doesn't affect us. <laughs> it affects our. It affects our <laughs> our children. We'll be dead. <laughs> it does kind of. It does kind of suck though, because it looks like our generation is like just gonna miss everyday space travel like based on what's going on with like spacex and like all the advance like it's like technological advances happen like all at once like you build up you build up to it it takes long for stuff to develop and then as soon as somebody figures out one thing it's like like what we see with the iphone took forever to develop the iphone but then now all of a sudden every year there's a new one and it's always better than the previous one it's the same thing with other technology too like it takes forever to get to that one thing and whenever whatever that one thing is that makes space travel easy and cheap Whatever, whenever we get to that, it's just going to develop tenfold. And based on like based on what's happening right now, it looks like our generation is like just going to miss it becoming a reality, which kind of sucks to think about. We're like the horse and buggy of that kind of technology. We're still in the Stone Age. Well, we kind of got a little off topic, but I think it's okay. Yeah. So now let's get into our awards Mm -hmm. segment. As always, we always have to do our Arnie's awards, Keith. What awards did you bring for us today? Since I really didn't know who we were going to be giving awards to in this one, I just kind of... It can be anything, Keith. It's whatever you're leaning towards. It doesn't have to be a person either. I think the living organism most likely to succeed in our up-and-coming universe is the blue elephant alien from Return of the Jedi. Mm. I'm bringing him back. Wow. He's getting a second award. The first two-time award. (laughs) Wow. He's like Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's impressive. Well, Austin, are, do you have a returning do you have a returning award winner or an original? I have an original. And I'm very happy for that blue elephant because he's overlooked, but not on our show. On our show he's got two awards already, and who knows how many he'll have. My award. It's kind of boring, but I think it's important. I'm gonna give the old reliable award to Planet Earth. We love you, buddy. We hope you don't die anytime soon. And you're just so reliable. We haven't found anything else like you yet. There could be others according to science, but we haven't found them. And I'm so happy that we have you, old blue boy, to live on. Old blue boy. Lots of, lots of blue. We got a blue theme tonight. The blue elephant <laughs> and then just our blue planet. I'm going to have to break blue that. Marble. Our little blue marble. May I have 10,000 marbles, please? <laughs> uh... I'm going to have to mix it up, though. I don't have a blue theme, unfortunately. But I do have an award that I am, as always, just so proud to present. Um, this one's an original Arnie Award, so it's the first of its kind. So we'll see if it becomes a usual thing, so we might have to name it after our first recipient if it does. But for now, it's simply titled the Best Hiding Spot Award. And I guess you could actually say this doubles as the Best Hiding Spot Award and the Best Hider Award, because we're giving both the spot and the person hiding the award. And, I mean, could it go to anybody besides Matthew McConaughey behind that bookcase? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess eventually it could be called the Matthew McConaughey Best Hider Award? Well, no, it's going to be called the Matthew McConaughey Best Hiding Spot Award, but this also doubles as the Best Hider Award Award. That's okay, well, time. we're going to have to shorten that because I can't fit it in an Instagram caption. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see if we even need to use this award again. We'll see what happens. Well, well we're definitely going to have to use it when we talk about Interstellar. Well, I get, well, maybe. Who knows? Maybe I'll have a different award. Um, it's unfortunate <laughs> because that award probably would have been a given for that movie 
There was a last-minute submission. I was going to go. It felt a little bit too crude for me. I was going to go tonight with the Best Ass Award for Uranus, but uh, (laughs) I heard that, you know, they changed the name to Uranus, so I didn't feel right to call it, you know, give it that award. Alrighty, well this is getting just a little too silly for me, but thanks everybody for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And as always, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really, really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow this show. At The Arnies is our social, and TheArnies.media is the website. Our Star Wars series will be back next week with episode two, Attack of the Clones. Alright, well, the only way we're going to get through that is if we have people submit their response they're like their thoughts on the movie that way we can at least have fun reading other people's thoughts and that way we also know that people are going to go through this miserable experience that we're about to go through in this next review i cannot be less excited (laughs) (laughs) yeah everyone out there please send us a message on instagram at the arnies once again send us a message with your thoughts on attack of the clones Whatever you say, whatever you say, we'll read it. So just send us a message. Please send us a message. Also, let us know your thoughts on Austin putting The Phantom Menace as number two on his Star Wars ranking so far. Not dogging Number two him. of the four that we've seen. Not dogging him. Just curious what people think about that. It's better. It's definitely <laughs> better than Return of the Jedi and A New Hope. Leia. What happened to your real mother? (laughs) Alrighty. No one wants to hear Matt do that impression again. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. 3PO.